Hello and welcome to Realms of Roush. I am Zach Roush, the writer and reader of this podcast and newsletter. Uh, what is Realms of Roush? It's a monthly sci-fi and fantasy newsletter. You can escape the real world once a month through your inbox. Uh, and before I start the sh- today's short story, I want to highlight a couple of things. I'm part of this really awesome uh, newsletter forwarding community that helps me grow. It's called The Sample. Uh, if any of you run a podcast and you want to grow and connect with uh, new readers. Uh, I have a link in my newsletter for you. It's a personal link. I do get some benefit from it. Um, but I really, you know, I really like the sample. It's a great organization. Another thing I'd like to plug is Scrivener. It's a really, it's like a souped up word processor. It's like if Microsoft went to the gym, took testosterone, and then got a job at Apple and became a tech bro. Uh, it's how we organize all my thoughts. It's how I put together scenes and chapters and notes and you can do crazy things like have uh, tags to track words throughout your document it tells you uh, I mean it's just the most amazing word processor ever I do have a link for you for Scrivener Uh, check it out if anything it can help uh, it can be helpful to to any writer this month's story takes place in a fantasy world that I've written another story in before and I'll link that below. Uh, If you're interested, I really like this story. It's exploring the fantasy world that I'm building, uh, and I think you'll like it too. It's called A Dwarf, a Human, an Elf, and Two Orcs Get Trapped in a Cave. I know what you mean, said the dwarf. Shinoro the Beautiful looked at him, thinking he was losing his mind. The dwarf wasn't really short, as the tales tell, but definitely burly and stocky and all frowny. He had some serious eyebrows and sideburns on him. She blinked. She hadn't said anything to him in Antian, the most common of tongues, or any language. Was he making a certain effort to impress her? She hoped not. Egoth explained after a moment, realizing everyone was looking at him. I can see it on you. You're still thinking you can get out of here. I was the same just last week. Or was it a month ago? And now, asked Ripwick, what's going on in your head? I'm lost in the tunnels of memory, counting the decisions and steps that led me to this cavern. Oh, holy heavens, spare us all by making the cave collapse, Sylvan said in Elvish. Only Ripwick understood, being able to speak twelve languages. She laughed. What'd the elf say? What did you say? snapped Shikaza. She was having a miserable time. The normally patient, stoic, middle-aged orc could not stand being shut in one place, much less chained to a gnarled wall of rock. Sylvan sighed and replied, I said we shouldn't ramble too much. It's only going to make passing the time intolerable. Shikaza sniffed at him. My tusk itches, Shinoro said. So that's what you call it, Shikorns, said Egoth. I can scratch it, Shikaza said. Then with the strength of the warrior she was, braced her back against the wall and flexed her legs up, using her toe to itch around the bone-like structure to the right of Shinoro's mouth. Better? Much. Thanks, sis. The famous orc athleticism, best used to scratch an itch, Ripwick joked. Oh, quiet, bookworm, Shikaza said. You be quiet, orc hag. Hag? Hag? This reminds me of home, grumbled Egoth in equal parts irritation and nostalgia. Sylvan snorted. <laughs> Is it the cave or being chained to the walls? Egoth smiled, replied. It's like being with my brothers and sisters. Idiots, all of them. 
Water dripped in the cavern. Time passed and no one came to check on them or give them food. Their discomfort grew. Uh, what do we do when we have to go to the bathroom? Ripwick asked, her freckled face screwed up with discomfort. She'd had to go for at least an hour when they were captured. That was half a day ago. Egoff said, typical human, can't hold your bowels. Sorry my piss doesn't turn this over and my shit to diamonds. The orcs laughed. They were always ready to. Egoff grumbled. Sylvan looked up to the rocky ceiling, begging, absolutely begging to die suddenly from an aneurysm. Shinoro eventually replied, You'll just have to go, Rippy. Judging by the smell, you're not the first, and will not be the last. Yeah, but I'll be the first here. You can't know if that's true, Sylvan added. Any one of us could have relieved ourselves quietly. The elf would know how to do so silently, Shinoro said. I don't shit, diamonds, puke skin, the dwarf grumbled. The prisoners erupted into jeers. Oh, sure you don't. Call me puke skin one more time. I bet you eat rocks too, like fruit. Please, oh heavens, end my life. Silence. A shadow was suddenly standing there. He moved into the light. It was a tall, armored elf, the chainmail so finely weaved it looked like a cotton shirt. He gave them water, fed them, and then informed them that yes, they would have to relieve themselves standing up, but a mage would come and sanitize them with a spell. He did not provide any information as to when they would be released. He did not answer any questions, save one. No, he would not trade a quick roll around the hay for freedom. It was worth a shot, grumbled Shinoro, positively incensed. Was it my delivery? Have I put on weight? Shikaza rolled her eyes. Always with how you look. You are perfect, the dwarf said in his own tongue. What does that mean, diamond shitter? asked Shinoro. When they clean you up with magic, your body feels like it's been submerged in freezing water. Shinoro was skeptical. No way, that's what you said. Someone please say anything else besides banal, idiotic commentary. If I don't hear an intelligent thought soon, I will choke myself with my own foot. They erupted into jeers again. Look at the sensitive elf. Ooh. Do it. If you die, they'll check on us sooner. I bet you like feet like that, don't you? I'll tell the story. Who said that? Sylvan's head craned around desperately. Who said they'd tell a story? I will recall a story for you, replied Egoff, even though you've done naught but insult me. I feel inspired by the situation. After he was not insulted further, he went to stroke his sideburns with his hand. The chain rattled, reminding him that he could do no such thing. It felt wrong to him, recounting the story without being able to stroke his facial hair, sip ale, or have a fire illuminate his expressions. He went anyway, his voice melodious and pitched perfectly. You had to really pay attention to grasp every word, lest the vision he spun disappeared. It's a story my father, Crackmar the Breaker, told me when I was young. It had been passed on to him by his mother and by her father, alternating between the kinfolk as the doctrine commands. As Egoff the Wanderer, now I tell you of the splitting of man. You might not believe it, but the world was once much larger than it is incomprehensibly large and vast and so full of mystery that every passing moment felt like a miracle. There were few people in it, and they lived in places that were rich with game and water. A young girl, part of the first people who were unnamed and will remain unnamed, had gone out to explore the surrounding hills. She did this often to escape her three siblings, who treated her with incessant wickedness. The oldest brother stabbed her with biting words that made her feel small. 
The second in line was violent and loved to fight at any moment's notice. The third would always trick the girl, get her in trouble, and steal the credit for all good work. As the youngest and smallest, the girl was often defenseless. A lonely child like this was desperate to find her own world. She had no ally, no companion, save the mountains. She climbed as often as she could, and on this day, after the three of her kin cornered her and stole a gem she'd found in her trekking, she considered running away for good. She thought on this as she scaled the mountain, the clear and beautiful day having no effect on her. She wished for a friend, for anyone to be her companion. She prayed to the gods whose names came from what things were, sun, moon, water, and earth. None heeded her call. At the top of the mountain, she found a cave, not unlike this very one we are chained to, except it did not smell of refuse. It had a clear, clean stream flowing from it. Cupping her hands in it, she found flakes of gold. She decided to follow this stream into the mountain, it went on and on and on, and she followed it as it left the light and became dark, then became light again. She found herself on the inside of the mountain, inside a great cone that was filled with a forest and animals, a paradise. This was not just an oasis for mortal beings, but those of heaven. She made friends with the gods and spirits who had taken the shape of earthly creatures to best enjoy the natural splendor. They did not speak in any tongue she knew of, but communicated through eyes and intention, as all people once knew how to do. These creatures were immediately aware of the loneliness in this girl, and led her to the sacred spring, a small pool surrounded by mossy rocks, the water steaming, a grotto of black rock towering over it in the shape of a great wave. Come here, child of earth. They tell me you need me. She approached the spring where the voice had drawn her, as soon as she stepped into the water, she no longer felt alone. She was complete and whole and no longer needed a thing. I am wholeness. I am warmth. I do not understand why you are so sad, the god said. This was one of the oldest gods, but not the greatest. The god of fire, or heat, we might say today. The elves would probably call it energy, since they do not believe in such gods. I'm not sad anymore, she said and fell asleep in the warmth waking hours later as the sun fell. She would be in dire straits if she did not get home to her family. But as soon as she left the pool, she felt crushed. Her sadness was so great that her tears caused the plants to wilt and wither where they fell. She turned back to the pool, if only to touch it and gain some relief. You cannot go home this way, Fire said, blazing hot, making billows of steam in the spring. Tell me what I must do. The girl knelt by the pool and thought trusting fire even though gods could not always be trusted, and doubly so when they offered a gift. My siblings, they are too many and too cruel. I cannot be heard. I am always ignored like I do not exist. If I was the only one who my parents could hear, then I'd finally be at peace. What have you to offer me? Fire said, already preparing his power to help the girl. This alone could be said of the god, misguided as its passion was, Fire helped anyone who came its way. The girl, so beset with hope, offered the only thing she really understood about herself. You said you didn't understand me. It's because you provide warmth and life. If only you knew what I go through, then you wouldn't ask for anything in trade. So, I offered the bitter fruit of loneliness. Enraged that this mortal pointed out its weakness, Fire seethed and invited the girl to cry her bitter tears into the pool.
the weight of these mortal emotions was too much. They drove fire into itself, deep into the mountain, drawing the heat from the surface suddenly and without warning, becoming a pressure, a blue-hot core that fed on itself. The girl thought she'd kill fire. The spirits and gods around here became enraged and started biting her and swatting at her, chasing her back to the cave when she came. She descended the mountain, tears blurring her steps. Fire's loneliness could not stand another moment bottled up. It exploded. The mountain burst behind her, sending rock and flames and ash into the heavens, killing the spirits. Across the world, fire cones blazed hotter than ever, burning down homes and huts and tents. In the girl's home, fire slithered on the floor like a snake and found her siblings, swallowing them whole but not destroying them. The oldest, who had been the quickest in meanness, was given strange ears and a long face, like the bat hounds that stalk in the night. The second in line, prone to violence, was turned into a strong brute with very distinct horns in its cheeks. The third, who had been vile for the sake of it, was made all but hairless and plain and weak. When the parents escaped their home, which had been set ablaze, they could not find their children. Instead, only monsters had run out, but the parents recognized them. They cried out, Fire has cursed us because of you. You are changed to your true natures. Be gone. Be gone. Their transformed children tried to beg and plead, but no longer shared the same tongue. They were now entirely alone in the world. Realizing this, they took to the other corners of the earth. When the girl returned, covered in ash and despair, her parents devoted all their attention upon her. She mourned for her siblings, who had been caught in the flames because of her. Her grief followed her for the rest of her life, as the voices of her siblings haunted her in the home and village, but she was left as she was by fire. She remained strong and solid as a mountain, though she felt a coward for what she had done to her family. The mountains became her hiding place from her great shame. And that is how the four branches of men came to be. Fascinating, Ripwick said. I've never heard the tale told quite like that. Dwarves believe we all come from the same base phenotype? One problem, though, Shinora began. Let it be, Savan shouted. Then, more quietly with the sob, Please, just let it be. Just gonna ask how they multiplied, you know, if they're the only ones of their kind, Shinora said. I assume kidnapping, Egoff answered. Or they found their own gods to make requests to, further mucking up the world. Also, it's probably inaccurate, Ripwick added. I'd bet it was the orc child who complained about being unheard. They do love to complain. We do not, Shinora shouted. And another thing, elvish faces aren't that long, Sylvan complained. Shikaza muttered, orcs are not so violent. And I've seen plenty of humans with hair. Too much in surprising places, really. The five of them dangled on their chains, thinking the story over, wondering when they'd be freed, wondering what their own families and loved ones were doing at home. Wondering if they were all branches from the same tree, only twisted by fate and life and gods. Shinoro began, A dwarf, a human, an elf, and two orcs are trapped in a cave. The first one says, Savan screamed and cursed and tried desperately to kick her from across the cave. The prisoners, per usual, It was going to be a great joke. Keep those piglets to yourself, horse face. So sensitive. Guards, please. The elf is losing his mind. And so it would be until time itself came to a halt. The four peoples might be different in shape and size and tongue, 
but they would always be like siblings, blind to how close they really were. The end. Thank you for reading and listening. I've dropped the link to the other story in this universe uh, right here beneath the end of the story. Um, if there's a fantasy lover in your life, why not share the story with them? Bonus points if they're a sibling. Uh, and if you like this story, please drop a fire emoji in the comments. If you have a sibling you would have cursed with fire as a kid, why not share a funny story? I'll go first. Until next month, Realm Walkers. Or maybe Realm Readers. I don't know. Let me know which one you like more. Peace out.